Hey everyone, Bob WP here, episode 72 of Do The Woo. This is where I normally welcome my wonderful co-hosts, but I thought for the next three episodes we'd take a different approach to this because you get to hear these co-hosts always asking and talking with the guests, and they share a bit here and there, but I thought, hmm, maybe it's time to figure out who these three co-hosts are. You may know them well. You may not know them enough. You may wonder if you still want to know them after hearing everything we talk about, but in any case, so this week, we're going to start with Brad. You know him as a wonderful co-host, and now he is sitting in the hot seat the guest hot seat. Brad, how are you doing? <laughs> Man, you're really setting this up here, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. I'm a little nervous now after that intro, but I'm okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I, you know, I came up with this idea because, yeah, it's like everybody hears the three of you all the time. And, you know, you, of course you share stuff. The conversation is very natural, but I thought, man, maybe it's time to find out, you know, little wooness about our co-hosts and i i just want to okay so first i want to before we even get into that i want to let everyone know we're close to the relaunch of this site uh currently woocommerce.com is our sponsor our only sponsor at this point in time we have some new community sponsors coming on here shortly but uh we always like to give a shout out to woocommerce.com uh yeah i'm trying to think uh last week i think they're uh, 4.5 came out this week. There's a new version of the blocks. A uh, lot of stuff going on over there. So do check out WooCommerce.com because they've been a great supporter and they're going to continue to be a great supporter as we move into the next phase. I'm going to give a little backstory here. In 2016, I actually started Do The Woo podcast and I changed it to another podcast after about nine months then in January 2018, I did my. I decided to bring it back. It was time to bring the Do the Woo back. I missed it, and Brad was actually the very first guest. Number episode number one. He, um, I, I looked for a sucker or a good guest, I should say. You know, somebody that come, come in, <laughs> and and I. Okay, there's Brad. Brad will do it. And you know, later on, about March, I started thinking. Well, you know, it'd be nice if I had a co-host because I think people get bored just hearing me always talk to the guests. They'd like to get another uh, little bit different perspective in there. And I thought back and thought, well, if anybody was had the guts enough to come on my first show, they might have the guts enough <laughs> to <laughs> become a co-sponsor. So, so that was like I reached out to Brad and I said, "Hey, this is a thought I have right now. What do you think?" And surprisingly, he said yes. I so, did. yeah. What was I thinking, Bob? And here we are, like uh, two years later. Is it? Yeah. So probably everybody wants to know. How did you handle, how have you handled Bob WP for two years? That'd probably be the biggest question. I don't know if you even have an answer for that. (laughs) Uh, Well, you got a a nice Zen attitude, a very calming presence, uh, a lot of deep breathing. No, it's Bob, you're a professional, like hopping on your show and, and, talking to people and interviewing people and definitely in the, in, in the, in the format that we do it where it's more conversational and less scripted is my favorite. It's my favorite to be a part of and my favorite to listen to. I don't like scripted podcasts or scripted shows um, because it's, it's, and I know there's, 
you know, certainly podcasts that need to be that way, but I've just never, um, been interested in that. I like just open conversations that flow and the, and the topic kind of goes wherever it goes, even though you have maybe some general guidelines or talking points, it just kind of, um, you know, goes organically through the conversation. And so it, all in all, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. You've made it very easy. You're, you're quite the professional, Bob. Well, thank you. Um, thank you. Very well, few people say that and, you know, <laughs> and, and run my mouth a little bit and, it, it works, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, back then when I was looking at trying to decide who to ask as a co-host, very few people came to mind. And I don't know if I've just been lucky or if I always have this gut feeling, but it went so natural after you came on. I, it was like, wow, you know, this was... This was not even, and I, I knew from you having been on Dradcast, you know, different things and just knowing you for quite a while. Yeah. I mean, you know, podcasting is difficult. It's hard. Um, if you've never done it, just trust me, it's hard. It's in, in the, 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 the podcasts or shows that you listen to that feel effortless um, are the, are the hosts that are very good at what they do um, because it should come off very natural it should come off like you've been planning for hours and tens of hours and you know all this prep work and it just naturally flows and there's just a lot of great podcast you know hosts out there and interviewers um and you know that's why again why it's popular and why people like listening to podcasts and consuming that type of media um but the fact that it's hard uh imagine doing it by yourself like you were bob i mean you were doing it by yourself but for the listeners you know imagine um, not only having to run a show, but coordinate everything about it and then be the sole kind of interviewer to guide the discussion, to come up with the questions. Like it's just, you're juggling a lot and especially as it's live and you're, or as the interview is live, um, it can be tough to kind of think of, Oh, I got to get my sponsor plug. Oh, I want to make sure I ask this question or while the, the interview, you know, the person you're interviewing is answering your question. You're already thinking about the next question because you need to, or where you want to kind of take the conversation, but sometimes you can lose focus of, well, what did they actually just say? <laughs> having a team, having at least two people um, can help alleviate some of that pressure, can help make it flow better. You know, we can jump in and support each other. If, if one topic kind of dwindles off, the other one can jump in and kind of start a new topic, you know? So it just, um, you know, I, a lot like I run a business, you know, mm -hmm. like I, some great, you know, companies in our space run by a single person. And that seems absolutely terrifying to me. I would never <laughs> want to, um, run web dev studios by myself. And right. that's why I have a great partner in Lisa Sable Wilson, just like, you know, you and I on the show and, and, uh, along with the other co's. So, right. And I'm fortunate because it has gone so well and each co-host brings in a different perspective, different background. And, just to let you know and let everybody know, and this is one of the things that I've enjoyed the most about it, is I don't know how many guests have come back to me, and no matter which host I have or co-host I have with me, they many times come back and say, wow, thank you. You know, I was really nervous. You made it fun. You made it comfortable. So I think that's the biggest thing is, yeah. for me, it's important for the every co-host I have, it's important that the guest feels comfortable and Fortunately, like I said, I pulled in three personalities that blend well and we just, you know, it, it does make it a fun show and people do have a good yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, it can be um, certainly if you have not done a lot of podcasts or 
Um, it can be an uncomfortable spot for someone to come on. They want to come on and pro their, promote their product or their service and talk about their experiences. Absolutely. But it can be intimidating just knowing that you're kind of opening yourself up. Right. So, right. yeah, I think the, the more we can do to make that a more comfortable space, make this a more comfortable space, have some fun, goof around, get into some fun topics. Um, very quickly, it just starts to go very natural flowing and, you know, our guests start to open up and, um, it just, you know, we, we've, we've, we've pumped out some great episodes and interviews because of it. So, yeah, for sure. Well, I'm going to start this with basically the two questions are the two, um, areas we usually start out with, except I have to modify this first one. So I'm going to ask you, Brad, how do you do the woo Aside from do the woo. Aside from this podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is all I do. No. Um, so, you know, I've been around WordPress really 2000, 2006 was my first uh, taste of WordPress. I launched, you know, I started my own personal blog and picked WordPress, you know, ended up starting a company and focused on WordPress. The rest is kind of history. But, um, you know, early on as, as we were building WordPress sites at web dev studios, um, you know, we'd get requests for, you know, e-commerce functionality and, um, you know, you have to think back to 2008, 2009, um, timeframe, you didn't have things like Shopify, um, you know, these kind of turnkey, um, very simple online stores that you could, you know, I don't Etsy, I don't think existed back then. If it did, it certainly wasn't. Uh, you know, a national or global, you know, site that it is today. Um, so there wasn't, you know, a lot of like kind of third party, super easy for small business, medium businesses to kind of spin up uh, a store. Um, there were options. They weren't necessarily easy and, and as intuitive as they are today. Um, and the same was was true within WordPress itself. So we we've talked about this on previous shows, but really, I think the only the original e-commerce plugin was WP e-commerce. Um, and I don't know if there, when I first got into WordPress, that was the only one I knew of, the only one I'd heard of, and the only one that seemed to have any kind of traction or community around it. I'm sure there were others out there, but that one was definitely clearly at the top. Um, and it was also clearly known that it was very difficult to work with. <laughs> so, um, yes, it worked, um, but it was, it was tough, right? You could get it working, but when you really need to get into some customizations or to make some adjustments for the type of store you're trying to set up, that's where you quickly run into problems. Um, it, it butted heads with a lot of other plugins. Um, and we have to remember again, the plugin ecosystem wasn't what it is today. Um, the standards aren't what they were, are, are today. You know, the, uh, even the, the ability to, to manipulate WordPress isn't, what, you know what it is or wasn't what it is today so you just have to remember the the time and place that we're talking about here but you know that was the biggie so we used it we rolled out some sites with it we definitely had some headaches and frustrations and then the the next uh uh plugin that that kind of took off and became a real direct competitor was the shop plugin mm-hmm. s-a-p-p um and the big difference to me seemed to be that shop kind of built you know built the solution from the ground up but they really seemed to wrap a whole business model around it where WP e-commerce was kind of, there wasn't, I mean, it was free and I don't even know if they had paid on-ons. I think it was just free at the time where shop was, um, 
I believe it was paid. Do you remember? Yeah. I believe the core of shop was paid. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I never used it myself, but I remember seeing it a lot. So yeah, but there's basically he had a revenue stream attached to this, right? Um, with the add-ons and things like that. So he was able to have more dedicated developers. And Jonathan Davis was the was the primary there who started shop, and so that quickly rose up, and we did some sites with that, and then, um you know, another year or so later, WooCommerce showed up. Um, I wasn't familiar with JiggoShop until WooCommerce, mm. um, but JiggoShop was out there and WooCommerce was a fork at JiggoShop. And then, you know, Woo, Woo themes at the time, they were known for the themes that rolled out WooCommerce and, and they really put some serious muscle into it. And that's when it became clear that WooCommerce was kind of starting to take over as the um, preferred option, you know, had a good community, um, had a lot of really good extensions, was very flexible, um, to customize your stores. It just, it went above and beyond what everything prior to it had, had really done. Um, and I think just because of the size of Woo themes at the time, they could put like a whole team of people on it to really grow out that side of the house there. So it wasn't just one or two people, you know, it was a lot of people. Um, and that's when it became clear it was kind of the front runner. And really the rest is from there is kind of history because it just kept growing. Then once automatic acquired it, then it just exploded because now automatic has some massive funding, in a extremely large team around it. Um, you know, so it really became the default from there. And we've, we've since launched and, or, and built and launched a number of sites, including, you know, sites that do, you know, millions and millions of dollars of sales every year through WooCommerce. So definitely on, on the, you know, enterprise scale side, um, with WooCommerce as well too. So, so that's kind of the evolution, you know, from the early days of what we were doing and what a lot of people in WordPress were using, to where we all just kind of, you know, gathered around WooCommerce because it really was the best solution. And really, it still is the best solution in terms of a WordPress-powered e-commerce, you know, plugin and platform. Hey, everyone. Just wanted to give you a heads up that the new Do The Woo will be launching in early October. Because of this, we currently have WooCommerce.com as our single sponsor. I'd like to thank them personally for their continued support and encourage you as a builder to check out their new developer resource portal. It's chock full of incredible documentation. You can find it at developer.woocommerce.com. And now back to the show. Not knowing how much of your project projects are e-commerce sites, has it just been an obvious growth because of the popularity of more people wanting to sell online? Was there any particular times you felt like it bumped up significantly or have you just um, kind of gone with the flow and have it there as an availability, but don't really necessarily always push it over everything else? I mean, it's definitely, I, I look at when we're building a website or a project, you know, I don't like to you know, and I say, I, I mean, our company, we don't like to make decisions on what's going to be used until we really sit down and understand the goals of the project. You know, I think going into a, a, a project and saying, okay, it's e-commerce. We're just going to use WooCommerce. Um, isn't doing necessarily justice for your client, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it should be WooCommerce and there's probably a strong <laughs> chance we will recommend WooCommerce, but we want to understand the goals. Like what are they trying to accomplish? You know, what are some of the, the, you know, maybe uniqueness to their business or their products or their sales cycle that we need to factor in that the system needs to support. 
Um, you know, all these questions that, that come up and there's a lot when you get into e-commerce, as you can imagine, um, that you need to, under, you need to ask and talk about, you know, uh, to determine if that is actually the best option. You know, it's very similar, like, like, you know, react is all, you know, react or what, like what kind of JavaScript framework, or, or do you want to use like, should everything be powered by Gutenberg blocks or not? Like, these are all like, great. These are tools available. It's like a bat belt, right? Like Batman, like these are all tools in my belt that we could use if it's the right tool to use. Right. So we start with goals and we work back from there. Um, in terms of WordPress, if we're, if we're leaning towards a WordPress centric solution, then WooCommerce is, is, is our go-to, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think we've built anything. I take that back. We've done some easy digital downloads, um, as well, which we also really like if, again, it's got a very specific area that it excels at. Um, but by and large WooCommerce, when you're selling products and things like that are, is our go-to, but we're also look at external systems too, things like Shopify, big commerce. We used to look at Magento. We don't really look at that as much anymore, but, um, again, so we just want to make sure we're putting the right, um, you know, system in place for the client based on what they're looking to accomplish. Not just saying you're going to be with commerce. Now, what do you want us to build? Like that may not be the best option, but by and large, usually it is. So mm-hmm. I'm just, just throw in one, uh, one thing I hadn't thought of previously was, in the enterprise area, is there anything that WooCommerce still quite isn't at that point yet? I mean, is there anything you find when you're making your decisions and you're you're looking at, you know, you're on a WordPress site and it sounds like most of the time, yes, WooCommerce fits fits the mold just fine. But are there anything from your perspective in the bigger enterprise uh, world that we still need to attain with WooCommerce? Yeah, good question. I mean, so prior to, you know, me starting Web Dev Studios, I was a, um, a developer in, in, at a large e-commerce store. Um, and I worked my way up to director of IT at that company. So my background prior to, to WordPress and open source was e-commerce. And it was e-commerce running a physical like warehouse of products and shipping out products. We sold batteries, batteries.com like the most boring product you could probably sell, but, um, everyone needs one. (laughs) Yeah. And of course this was like, you know, 15 years ago. So everything had a battery that could be replaced. Now it's a much different world, right? Like Mm -hmm. most batteries you don't replace, you just replace your device, which is kind of weird, but, um, it's just the evolution of technology. Right. So, so like, that's my background. So I understand a lot of the, um, challenges that come with that, like having a warehouse and having an e-commerce platform that needs to, like taking the order is great, but what happens after the order has been placed, right? And that's that's where you really get into some complexities of okay, now that order, those order details need to go into the warehouse. They need to go into whatever system they're using to pick the order. Um, then the warehouse, when they pick the order and it and it generates a shipping label uh, and spits out that it's shipped, it needs to go back and update the e-commerce side to tell the customer that like, hey, your order shipped. Here's a tracking number. You know, it's on time. Blah blah blah. So, you know, that that whole relationship between e-commerce system and warehouse is is one of those things that I always flag if it comes up of that is a, a, a serious complexity that we need to dig into a little bit more. So WooCommerce can definitely support warehouses, um, but it's all about what system they're using because WooCommerce is not going to be their warehousing system. WooCommerce is just going to interact with it. Right. And then there's even more complexity. What if you have multiple warehouses? Right. What if you have more than one warehouse, you know, I, 
forget Amazon because that's too big to even wrap our heads around. But if you're just a store that has maybe a West Coast and East Coast warehouse, you know, are the products the same in both warehouses? Probably not. Maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Maybe there's some overlap. Like it's got to figure out what warehouse things need to go to, what things are shipping, how you're syncing inventory across multiple warehouses. And so when you start getting the complex setups like that, that's where I start to question if WooCommerce is the best solution. Um, is it doable? Yes. I mean, you can do anything with open source, but is the cost and time going to justify the outcome? Like, do you want to, do you want to spend six figures on us building a custom solution to do exactly what you want? Or would you rather use something like maybe big commerce or even maybe Magento, um, you know, that has, maybe has some of the stuff built in. So the warehousing one is one that stands out. Now, most, you know, obviously SMB, it's not usually a consideration. If they have a warehouse, it's probably in their garage, <laughs> you know, and they're shipping out <laughs> their garage. Well, you start to get into to midsize and certainly the enterprise level. That's a doozy. Another one's just inventory. You know, we set up, you know, I mentioned that multi-million dollar system. Um, it was for a grocery chain. And you can imagine we had to track all the inventory of a grocery store. And grocery stores, just just envision your local grocery store. And most people, we you probably go to a decent sized grocery store. There are like tens of thousands of individual products and SKUs at that store. So tens of thousands of products at a single location. And the inventory is updating, you know, daily sometimes, mm -hmm. right? So now you're talking about how do we keep inventory in sync at that scale on a nightly basis, you know, then you're opening up another can of worms. So we did it on WordPress, but, you know, we really had to evaluate if that was going to be the best solution or not. In this case it was, and, and we made it work and, and it worked well. Um, but, you know, when you start getting into certainly on the enterprise side, there's going to be some complexities and a lot of it's at scale, right? It's like, okay, mm -hmm. this would work if you have a thousand products, but you have a hundred thousand products that might introduce some problems. So those are the things we kind of dig into and considerations where maybe maybe WooCommerce isn't the best solution. Yeah, yeah, interesting stuff. I, I want to do do a little reflection on the podcast and some of the shows we've done here, and mostly because I think it's great to have the opportunity to ask each co-host something about what they pulled out because. I think all of you, you know, you've interviewed different people and um, you may have listened to other shows or whatever, but there's things that you're going to pick up that maybe another co-host or even myself don't pick up. What do you think is one of the biggest things you've learned about the Woo Builder community kind of overall by listening to the different guests we've had on? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Um, one, they're all crazy. No, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think. Yeah, like I talked to a lot of, I know a lot of developers. I talked to a lot of developers. You know, like you mentioned, we've done the, I did the Dradcast. We talked to a lot of people, and um, I just know people in the space. So I, you know, I've I know a lot of uh, very successful uh, plugin developers, site builders that aren't WooCommerce specific, and I know a lot within WooCommerce, especially on the show, talking to a lot. So, you know, I think the one thing about like any kind of e-commerce, it's just there's more complexities, right? So I feel like anyone that we've had on the show that has a product or a service or specifically around WooCommerce, you know, those type of people like to solve, in my mind, more complex problems. Um, and I don't know if that's why they're drawn to it necessarily, if that's just the nature of what it is, but uh, more complex problems when you're working with e-commerce. Um, identifying areas, there's just more opportunities, you know, with, with e-commerce because anytime you're selling a product that can help someone generate money, um, you know, you can charge more, you know, mm -hmm. there's a higher cost to that. If I, if I can, 
if I can buy a plugin for 50 bucks and literally make that 50 bucks back by using whatever that feature is across a couple sales or like abandoned cart, we talk about abandoned cart all the time. Like if I can use a service or a plugin that, that, um, you know, contacts anyone that left a full cart, but didn't pay, gives them a 20% off coupon and they come back and convert. That's huge. Mm-hmm. You know, that's huge. And it completely justifies the cost of that product or service. Um, and I'd ha- never have a reason to cancel. So there's a lot of really big opportunities. Um, and there's a lot of really big challenges. And I think a lot of the people we've talked to by and large, they like to take on those challenges, you know, um, regardless of how big or complex they may be or how, you know, convoluted it may be or frustrating, like they'd like to take them on. So one, it's just one thing that stood out is just, it's just, you know, it seems like the people that we talk to, the people in the WooCommerce space are very, very much into like solving complex challenges for their clients and for their customers, which I think is really, really cool. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I, when I think back on that, you're exactly right. And I, I, I wonder if one of the reasons I've done podcasts for as long as I have, especially, you know, when I, with guests is I'm always learning something new because, and of course with this podcast and a lot of them, I, know for sure that I'm learning something new because I'm not a developer. I'm not a product builder. And I'm guessing that there has been plenty of aha moments for you that sometimes somebody will say something and you're like, wow, you know, I never thought about that. Not that I'm asking you to recollect any of those because I know I can't, (laughs) but I'm I'm sure that's, I don't know if that's one of the things that you've also found uh, talking to all these people is, you know, no matter how much you do this stuff, there's always going to be somebody mentioning something and bringing up something that you just go, wow, I never thought of it that way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and that's, and that's, you know, it's technology in general, right? Like the technology moves extremely fast. Um, and so if you're in the technology space, no matter what you're doing, you also have to do your best to keep up, right. Or you're going to get past, um, and you're going to fall behind and it's going to affect you and your company and your business, you know? So, um, so I think there's always opportunities to learn and to grow, um, especially from people that are in the trenches that are doing this day to day, they're going to have seen stuff or come across stuff that I haven't, um, or even our company hasn't. I'm sure you hear stuff on occasion from time to time that's new to you. Um, and you have to be always open to, to, to learning if you're going to be in a tech field, because if you're not, you're in the wrong field. Mm -hmm. I mean, no, like the stuff we're talking about, the stuff we're doing, some of it didn't exist even a couple of years ago. You know, I remember when, when we're, you know, this has been a little while now, but when responsive design first was all the rage, you know, and this is like 2009, 10, when it was kind of new and people were just starting to do it. And every WordCamp was starting to have someone talk about it. And I was like, that's just, that's like amazing. It's like a game changer in terms of how we work with mobile and different screen sizes. Um, and back then there weren't as many screen sizes necessarily mm-hmm. to worry about, but now it's like, you can't even like fathom how many different you know, different sizes of screens that are out there that need to work well. Right. So, and now you don't even talk, it's just, it's just what we do. Like everything's responsive. It's not even like, Oh yeah, we're going to make it responsive. Like, of course we're going to make it responsive. (laughs) Like that's just (laughs) what you do, you know? So, um, just, uh, one example that always stands out is just that, you know, now everything's like kind of JavaScript has been a big focus for the past few years and JavaScript has been around forever. 
I was working on it 20 years ago, but now with the number of frameworks that are out there, um, you know, and the, obviously the push with Gutenberg and, and, and react within WordPress core, you know, it's, it's a big component of, of what everyone is working with. So if you don't know it, you know, you need to, you need to know it or, or ultimately WordPress is going to pass you by. So I'm always trying to learn whatever I can. Cause I know I don't, I know, I definitely know. I don't know everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never will. For sure. Hey everyone, Bob WP here as I've been dropping hints here and there. My next iteration of Do The Woo is coming out soon. If you are a WooCommerce builder, you will want to be one of the first to know about this. I can reassure you that you are going to love it. To get notified of pre-launch, simply go to bobwp.com forward slash V5 and sign up. Let's head back to our chat. Now all of our guests have been incredible. I mean, it's it. That's what I like about it. And we've had people that are very popular in certain ecosystems, whether it's WooCommerce or something else, and then other people that are uh, just hardworking plugin developers getting good product out there. Is there any one episode? And this doesn't mean it has to be your favorite or anything, but one that might stand out to you something about it and why, why did it stand out to you? Yeah. I, um, I, you, you did prep me for this question. So I actually did some <laughs> digging and I want to kind of go back and look at the different episodes I've been involved with. Um, and a couple definitely stand out. Um, one, even though it didn't necessarily air the way we wanted it to air, <laughs> but the one with Darren, <laughs> um, stood out, it was at WordCamp US, um, and Bob and I were there in person and, and we, we, uh, spoke with, um, Darren Ethier, um, who's on the WooCommerce team is a software engineer at WooCommerce. Um, so we were able to interview him in person. So, um, you know, I know the audio came out bad, so we actually did a re-record, um, just like this, you know, remotely. And that's what was released. I don't think we ever released the, mm. um, the, the in-person one, no, did we? No, we no, didn't, I didn't no. think so. But just the fact that we were able to be there in person, even if it didn't get released, it still was a great episode. Um, and it was interesting because that's when we first started talking about how WooCommerce team was looking to, um, you know, make the, the shopping cart and checkout process more block-based, um, using Gutenberg blocks, which is one of the bigger, initiatives to use Gutenberg kind of outside the editor that I've come across outside of the traditional editor, which I thought was super cool. Um, so that one stands out. Another one that stands out as well was the, um, all the marketing talk we had with, uh, Tavleen Carr from Woo Funnels. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges, like we talk about complexities with, with e-commerce, but the majority of e-commerce stores and, and stores running WooCommerce aren't that complex, right? Like you have product, you're going to ship it using, you know, some type of USPS or FedEx or, or whatever, you know, you set up a payment gateway and, and ta-da, you have a store. People can buy stuff, right? So the real challenge comes once you have a store, how do you get people to come and buy stuff? Right? <laughs> so, and, and a lot of times we're talking about like the store and different, you know, plugins that you can integrate to this, but I think that that was a really valuable conversation because we really focused on, okay, you have a store. Great. Now let's talk about marketing. Let's talk about sales funnels. Let's talk about abandoned cart. Let's talk about all these different things that you can do to get people to come to your site, to see your product and to actually, once they're there to actually help convert them, because that is the, the hardest part of an e-commerce store. Great. I have a product. Now, how do I get people to buy it? You know? And that is the the million dollar question that will never be answered, but there's a lot of little things you can do that get you closer to answering that question. 
and we cover a lot of really, in my mind, a lot of really valuable uh, nuggets of info just in the short, you know, uh, 30, 45 minute interview that we did. So that one stands out too, because I just, I don't think you hear a lot about that on, on shows like ours. They're talking about e-commerce. People just think about the store. Great. Get the store working is, is obviously important, but once it's working, how do you get people to buy your product? And I have friends ask me this all the time. Like, here's my e-commerce store. What can I do to get more sales? And I'm like, that's the million dollar question. If I could answer that and say, do this and you'll make a million dollars, I'd be charging you a lot of money for that answer. <laughs> so it's a good one. If, if, if anyone has not listened to it, it was episode 55. Okay, cool. Yeah, that, that was a really good episode. Uh, one question that occurred to me, or we talked to, to a lot of people that have um, built plugins and we've seen a, a constant theme in that usually because a lot of them have agencies now you've your team has built some plugins as well and looking at that themed reason that that plugin was developed do, do you feel like and i'm not I'm going to let you go ahead and kind of share that part of it because you know what I'm talking about. Is that also the reason why you got into the develop um, plugin space uh, with the ones you did? Yeah. I mean, early on um, that's exactly how we um, released our first, I think I released maybe a couple, you know, plugins early on, just messing around, trying to understand the process. But um, yeah, early on, we definitely built some plugins for clients, um, with the intention of releasing them and, you know, with the, the client's full buy-in on that. Um, so basically got funded to build the plugin for the client for a specific need. And then we also thought, you know, since we thought it, you know, different plugins where, um, other people could find value in them, um, we released them to the public for free. Um, and then the, the win for the client is if we're going to have a plugin out there with our name on it, we're going to make sure it continues to work. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't want to plug it out there with my company's name on it that blows up your site. So that's the big benefit to them. And they get credit and stuff for, you know, funding it and stuff like that. So that's how we got a number of plugins out there early on. Um, you know, they, most of them have done okay. Our, our real big plugin is custom post type UI. That's the, that's the behemoth. Um, that's, I don't know. Last time I checked like 800,000 active users, um, 800,000 plus. So whatever that means, mm. but somewhere between 800, and 900,000 <laughs> <laughs> active users, you know, five, 6 million downloads. Um, you know, so that, that, that's been fun too, because that's, uh, obviously having that big of a user base, um, definitely opens up some more challenges. You gotta be, you know, even more careful when you release an update that it doesn't break, you know, hundreds of thousands of websites, but, um, it's been, it's been cool to see that one grow over the years. Yeah. Cool. Well, I want to close this out with you sharing something. It can be personal or professional that you don't think most of our listeners know about you. I got one of each. I got one personal and one professional. Oh, so cool. on the personal side, I probably nobody knows this, but I actually won an ax throwing championship when I was like 17. <laughs> uh, if you can believe that. <laughs> and this is before like they had these, you know, all the, a lot of the cities are, have these like ax throwing venues now this is before mm -hmm. all that this is like in the 90s um and uh my dad goes to these historical reenactments they're called rendezvous it's like pre-1840 fur trapper india and there's like teepees and you know people like basically you know live like they did back then for a week or two and um they have muzzle loader competitions um <laughs> you know you shoot the old muzzle loader the the, <laughs> the black powder and 
and a musket, you know, and, and then they have, uh, they call them hawks, but it's an axe, axe throwing competitions. And I mean, I tried for years from when I was like probably 12 or 13, every year I was in this competition every year I'd get, you know, fourth, third, maybe a second place, um, finish. And then when I was 17, the, the, the cutoff, cause once I turned 18, I had to go to the adult bracket and forget it. Like those guys were really, really good. So it was my last opportunity. Um, and I won the gold. So I became oh, a gold. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and it's literally a, like a, they would put a playing card, like in the middle of a, uh, essentially a, a cutoff tree stump or something that they put sideways. You throw the, the ax into. And so, and it looked like a stoplight. It had three dots. And based on what, you, like, if you cut the paper, it was like a point. But if you cut, like, one dot, it was two. But if you cut, like, all three, I want to say it was four. And then if you cut it literally in half, it was, like, five points. And I did it. I, I cut a couple in half. I did really good, and I won. Wow. So, wow. Um, and then I retired because yeah. I wasn't going <laughs> to go to the gonna... adult bracket. So, that was it. That was the last time I competed throwing axes. <laughs> I was going to say, how did that skill work out for you in life? Did you use it later? But, uh, I mean, if there's some kind of like apocalypse and maybe I have to run around with a hatchet, maybe it'll come back to me like riding a bike, but I haven't really done it seriously in a long, long time. So um, on the professional side, and this is a little advice I give people, like, you know, I, I don't know if I've told this story or not and I'll keep it short, but essentially back when I was in the Marine Corps and I was, you know, just trying to get some, some experience building websites on the side, there was a morning radio show. I was in the Carolinas. I was in North Carolina and they were, you know, they were based in the Carolinas and they, they had a, they had a, like a coming soon website for like months. Like this is a brand new show that just started. So one morning I got up early at like six in the morning and I called, I called them and, uh, I finally got through and they picked up and said, Hey, what do you want to talk about? And I was like, I want to, I want to build your website. I want to, you know, do you have a website? Cause you've had this coming soon page up for how long, but I will build your website for free. And they were all about it. And I ended up building the website and launching it for them and, um, did it completely free. And they just mm -hmm. kept plugging me on the, on the radio every morning. And I think I had a link back to our web dev studios at the time, which wasn't even a official form company. It's just a uh -huh. domain that I own. <laughs> Um, and that kind of started, um, you know, bringing in s some work very early on. And, you know, the, the point of the story I like to tell people is, you know, sometimes you just have to go for it and like, you just have to ask, you know, and the worst thing they can say is no, um, or we already have a website or whatever. And I did it just to get some, some publicity around the company and what we were doing, um, did it for free and got a portfolio piece and, um, even though that was very early on, that was like 2000, 2001 timeframe. Um, so before web dev was really official, but, um, I think it's a good, it's a good story because people can, uh, can realize that, you know, there might be some opportunities in their life if they're really trying to get into this where they can just say, Hey, let me, let me launch a site for you. You need a site or your site's terrible. Let me redo it for free. And just to get some experience, get a portfolio piece, maybe get a referral that they can, um, help you out. Cause you help build their site and, and kind of get the ball rolling. So. Yeah. Cool story. All righty. Well, this has been fun putting you in the yeah. hot seat. I, I like it. You know, it's something that I could get very used to, but we, we won't get too used to it. Well, we might have to turn the, uh, turn the ties on you one of these days, Bob, and your other three, three, three co-hosts, whatever you say. Oh God, oh, gang up on me, huh? Well, that'll be fun. <laughs> something to look forward to. Anyway, so where can, you know, most people know where to connect with you, but you know, for those few that haven't connected with you, where, where can they find yeah. you? Yeah. So the company's web dev studios, you can always reach out if you have a project or something you'd like to talk about. I'm very pretty active on Twitter, Williams BA. 
So hit me up on Twitter. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really geek out on this stuff. I enjoy it. I'm always happy to help people. I think that's just kind of the open source mentality of this community is kind of all in this together. And, you know, a lot of people help me uh, get to where I'm at. And I've always tried to give back however I can. So if I can help you out, reach out. Let's chat. Very cool. Well, first, I want to thank you. You know, I've been fortunate, very fortunate to have you as a co-host and looking forward to this next um, phase of Do the Woo and, yeah. and continuing it. So that and want to thank you for, as I said, taking the hot seat. This has been fun. This has been great. Thanks for having me, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, everyone. Well, make sure you visit WooCommerce.com, our community sponsor. They're always doing something over there. And again, we so appreciate their support. Looking forward to this next phase with them as well. Until next time, we'll see you next week where we will be speaking with our co-host, Mendel Curlin. So take care, everyone. <laughs>